Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. Today we have a question about something you may have seen without even realizing it. A roofs. Yeah, my name is Andy Greenberg. I've lived in Scottsdale for about nine years. And at the intersection of Scottsdale and Camelback, and as well as at Shea in the 101, I've noticed some wire running over the street. And I'm wondering if that is an A route. We ran a poll on our Valley 101 Twitter account a few weeks ago, asking our followers if they knew what an A-roof was. 90% said no. So if you're part of that 90%, hold tight. Producer Taylor Seeley will fill you in. So I'm here at Scottsdale and Camelback Roads. It's an area I'm pretty familiar with because Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall is right here and there's a P.F. Chang's on the corner across from me that I love eating at. But unlike any other time I've been here before, I'm seeing something that I never noticed before. When I look up at the street poles, I am seeing what Andy was talking about. There's an A-roof here. So my name is Taylor Seeley. I've produced a few episodes for Valley 101 now, and usually when we select our questions, we have a general idea as to what the answer is, or what the episode could sound like. But this time, that was not the case. At the start of this, I had no clue what an A-roof was. The question asker Andy told me it was something of a perimeter or boundary that observant, usually Orthodox Jewish people use to be able to carry certain things that are traditionally prohibited on the Sabbath. But I definitely wanted to know more. I pretty quickly found the website for the A-Roof Andy found near Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall, ArizonaAroof.org an A-roof serving Scottsdale, Phoenix, and Paradise Valley. A few different synagogues came together to create it. To picture the A-roof in your head, visualize this. Metal poles, typically 17 and a half feet high, this length to abide by city requirements. The pole circumference is maybe a bit larger than a venti Starbucks cup. And at the top, there's a U-shaped bolt welded on. And within the U-bolt, a clear wire is strung through. The clear string, a fishing wire actually, flows from pole to pole encapsulating parts of Phoenix, Scottsdale, and Paradise Valley. This specific Valley A roof is huge. It extends to the canal past Bell Road on the north end, to Indian School Road on the south end, and it's couched between the State Route 51 on the west end and the Loop 101 on the east end. I would later find out it takes two and a half hours to travel the perimeter each week to ensure it's well-maintained. And if it's broken, it has to be promptly fixed in time for Shabbat, or the Sabbath. The supervisor of the Eruv is Rabbi Ariel Shoshan from Ahavas Torah in Scottsdale. So I set up an interview. Now, Ahavas Torah is open to Jewish members of varying observance levels, but most of them would consider themselves Orthodox. 
and Orthodox Jewish people do not touch people of the other sex outside of their immediate family. How's it going? Hi, thank and you. And I completely Hi. forgot this practice and went to immediately yes, shake the yes, rabbi's yes, hand when I arrived. No problem at all. Don't worry about it. I told myself, I said, don't better shake the hand. That's okay. Don't sweat it. It's no biggie. But he was very kind and gracious about it. My name is Ariel Shoshan, and I'm the rabbi of Ahavas Torah, the Scottsdale Torah Center in Scottsdale. Uh, I'm also the rabbinic director of the Valley Eruv Project. In order to understand an Eruv, really need an introduction to the concept of the Jewish Sabbath. And every Friday night and Saturday, from sunset until the stars come out on Saturday night, the Jewish community around the world uh, observes the Sabbath. You might also hear the Jewish Sabbath referred to as Shabbos or Shabbat. At the heart of the Sabbath is the refraining from what we call work. That word work, uh, that it says in the, in the Bible, really has been for ages described as 39 categories of creative labor. So one of those 39 categories of labor is moving things outdoors or moving things from indoors to outdoors or from outdoor to indoor. This is the topic of the tractate in the Jewish Talmud called Shabbat or Sabbath. For most people who aren't observant or Orthodox Jews, this can get a bit jargony. So let me break it down. You've got the written Torah, which is the first part of the Jewish Bible. Then you've got the oral Torah. Then there's the Mishnah, a part of the oral Torah where ancient rabbis elaborate upon and interpret the oral Torah. This is where the 39 categories that Rabbi Shoshan mentioned are listed. And then you have the Talmud, which, among many other things, goes into even further detail of the prohibition against transferring or carrying. A professor of religious studies at Arizona State University, Dr. Joel Garaboff, gave me this helpful analogy. Just like the Supreme Court interprets the U.S. Constitution, ancient rabbis would interpret the letters of the Jewish law. Those interpretations make up the Mishnah and the Talmud and Orthodox Jews accept the rabbis' interpretations just as we accept the Supreme Court's interpretations. For those for whom this is uh, a matter of religious conscience, they don't carry anything in their pockets, they don't uh, move strollers or wheelchairs, uh, except for under certain circumstances, outdoors. We don't bring food from one home to another or bring our books for study from the synagogue to the home or back and forth. So you may be wondering, where does the Eruv come in? Now, as long as that prohibition has existed, there also was a rabbinic enactment, actually first instituted by King Solomon, to create situations where a community space can be considered as one space for the purpose of being allowed to carry, quote unquote, indoors. Meaning we create one space that makes that entire place indoors and makes it an entire place one domain. The concept is called an Eruv, and an Eruv is traditionally simply, if you can imagine, it's just walls around a city. When you have walls around a city and all the people of that city have agreed to combine for the purpose of the permission of carrying things there on the Sabbath, then that space is considered one domain. So the Eruv makes it possible for observant Jews to carry things outdoors on the Sabbath so long as they're within the perimeter of the Eruv. To be clear, it doesn't totally eliminate the carrying rule. There are still items they are not allowed to carry, like an umbrella or money. The Eruv just makes it possible for them to carry outside what they were already allowed to carry inside. 
because the outside is now considered a private domain, and it's in public spaces where carrying is prohibited. But the biggest criticism is that this is just a loophole, a way for people to avoid the rules. I asked Rabbi Shoshan about this, and I should note, his perspective is an Orthodox Jewish one, meaning not everyone agrees with him. The academic community, for example, might view it differently. Well, I mean, it's based on a misunderstanding, actually, which is that it's a very technical element about what kind of domains are classically public domains and what kind of domains are, are private domains. So the classic public domain is something similar to when the Jewish people were wandering through the wilderness in the time after the exodus from Egypt. Something like your neighborhood or the general valley area where you conduct your life is something Rabbi Shoshan called a semi-public or semi-private space. And ever since the prohibitions were first enacted, there's been an understanding that if a group of people come together to mutually agree their space is private and put in the work to adhere to Jewish legal standards, that is okay. So whenever you have something that is permitted uh, by something that seems to be a structure that some might call loophole, one has to actually look into the history of it. The history of it is that the same King Solomon who prohibited the carrying in those kinds of semi-public domains is the same one who said it's prohibited unless one creates one shared space. Rabbi Shoshan, on behalf of the Valley A Roof Project, filed for their permit with the Arizona Department of Transportation, or ADOT. The proposal was a very detailed 29 pages long. I can confirm I saw it. I'm Tim Tate, uh, Dr. Tim Tate. I'm the communications director for the Arizona Department of Transportation, and I was involved in this going back to 2009. We recognized that we have a responsibility to be good partners in the community, and this was a really frankly, an easy way to do that. Uh, the Jewish community was uh, willing and able to um, go through the steps that were necessary to legally install uh, these lines, and they filed the permits, they set up the traffic control, um, they did everything that was necessary, everything that we asked of them to get a permit to do this work. ADOT didn't provide any materials or support for the A-roof, and the permit didn't cost anything. But those involved in the A-roof did have to pay for things like traffic signs and barricades for when the poles and strings were being put up or when it was undergoing maintenance. For the safety of the community, of course. He also said while utility companies or drive through restaurant chains might need these types of permits, that A-roof really is unique. Yeah, for the A-roof, um, there really isn't anything that is like this that I'm aware of anywhere else in the state. We work with a lot of different organizations on different types of permit requests, but in my time at ADOT, um, this, is, this is something that is special. Um, and I think it's special because it really is meaningful to a broad community um, that is, um, has some very deep traditions. And I think at ADOT, we really appreciate that. Rabbi Shoshan also mentioned to me that having an A-roof makes the valley accessible for observant Jews who travel here from other states. And that's not insignificant. In 2013, there were approximately 5.3 million Jewish people in the U.S., according to the Pew Research Center. And about 10% of them are Orthodox, meaning presumably around 530,000 of them might use an A-roof. 
and Pew Research Center said we can expect that number to grow. But remember, while it's not strictly limited to Orthodox Jews, it is mostly Orthodox Jews who use the A-roofs. So you should know, if you were to walk up to a random Jewish person on the street and ask about the A-roof, there's a really good chance they might not know what it is. The largest movement, or denomination, of Judaism, if you will, in America are the Reform Jews. I met up with the director of a Reform temple in Tempe. Hi, I'm Jerry Chizik. I am managing director of Temple Emmanuel of Tempe. Reform Judaism was a response to changing times. Uh, it was started by people who wanted to keep the intention of the Torah, but not interpret it literally and be more modern in its interpretation and focus practices on doing good in the world rather than following every commandment to the letter or as interpreted by ancient rabbis. Jerry told me reform is in many ways the most liberal form of Judaism today, but that they do still hold certain traditions. We do observe Shabbat and find that very meaningful. We observe it by rest, by prayer, by going to services, by uh, many other lighting candles and other ceremonial things that all Jews do. But while people in the Reform movement have many, many levels of observance, just as every Jew does, it's a personal decision. Um, generally, Reform Jews do not keep some of the Shabbat or Sabbath rules that the Orthodox keep, such as not driving or not turning on light switches or an oven. We certainly have respect for our fellow Jews and their practices, but it's not something that we deal with. One of those fellow Jews and beneficiaries of the Eruv is Karen Kaplan. I've been using the Valley Eruv for about five years about as long as it's been in existence. Karen and her husband, Jamie, moved into the neighborhood near Ahavas Torah in 2014 for the primary reason of being near the synagogue, or as she and others in the Orthodox community call it, shul. So tell me about your experience using the Eruv and how you feel like it has impacted your life. I personally love the Eruv because it just makes our lives so much easier. Um, without the Eruv, we really wouldn't be able to carry on Shabbat. Um, so when we go to our friends for a meal, it's very, it makes it so much easier to just bring a dish or some cookies or um, even just to bring a bottle of water when it gets hot in the summer. And um, before the Eruv, we weren't able to do those things, so it just makes life a lot easier. <laughs> Karen told me she's particularly grateful for how easy it makes things when observant Jewish friends and family come in town. Like this summer, her daughter is getting married, and her future husband's family needed to know if there was an A-roof. Her new mother-in-law just asked me, it's the funniest thing. Karen's looking through her phone at this point to read me the text message verbatim. She said, um... My son wants to know if there's an Arab in the area, meaning if he can push a carriage on Shabbos to Shul. Isn't that funny? Because people think about that. They have to. When they're coming from another community, he has a stroller, so he has to make arrangements because he has a baby. 
Throughout my conversation with Karen, and really throughout the entire reporting process, to be honest, I kept wondering, why do this? What could possibly make all the work required of an Orthodox life worth it? So I asked her. I think we have an interesting perspective because for the first 30 plus years of our lives, we didn't observe Shabbos, and so we did drive, and we did talk on the phone and watch TV. And now that we don't, we really don't see it as restrictions or rules, even though they could be called rules. Um, We see them as an opportunity to have some time with our family and our friends and not have to focus on the crazy work week or, you know, it's just, um, you don't have to think about those things and you can really connect on a different level to the people around you and the day of the week and your connection with God and just having truly a peaceful day to focus on what's really meaningful. And we feel really thankful that we've made this choice. So the next time you happen to be near Scottsdale Fashion Square on Camelback and Scottsdale Roads, take a look up you'll see a clear fishing wire strung southwest to northeast. And if you happen to see an Orthodox Jewish family pushing a baby in a stroller, know that they might be able to do that only because of that A-roof. Hey, it's Kayla again. Real quick, before we lose you, don't forget to subscribe to Valley 101 and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast app. It really helps our show. Now, Taylor, I've lived in Arizona for basically my whole life, so 27 years, and I've never noticed these A-roofs. Had you? No, I had actually never seen them. I never knew they existed. And honestly, it was this like huge discovery and adventure to find them. And I was so excited once I did. <laughs> I honestly can't even hide my excitement right now. I am standing on the corner with this fuzzy microphone pointed in my face with this like ridiculously cheesy smile because I just can't believe I've never noticed this. Well, yeah, and when you discover something you had never noticed in an area you think you know really well, it's always surprising. It is, but also really quick, I do want to mention one thing before we close out. Rabbi Shashan really wanted me to mention how grateful he was for the following people who were instrumental in creating the A-Roof. And those people are Rodney Mullen, Ben Ellis, Ryan Mullen, and Scott Stein. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to Valley 101. Don't forget to tell a friend about us and submit your questions to valley101.azcentral.com. All right, see you next week.